through, and I think that's everybody. That's everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of struggled there. Well, you know, we were talking about Tim for a second, and I was just like, is Tim on the show? No. So, hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. I'm Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> this is Paul. This is Wayne. And I am Andrew. Another professional interest. That's how we <laughs> guys, I am stumped by the Instagram algorithm. I can I can post something to Instagram and it will get 50 views, right? You know, as 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 an Instagram reel. And then I can post something that's just you know, and and, and the thing that I posted would will will be an a uh, a uh, you know a, a really neat video that I think uh, you know of of cover art and whatnot, and, and it's you know got some interesting music to it, and I'm like this will be cool. People will like this. 50 views, no likes. 50 views, and then I'll post something just you know off the the top of my head. 350 likes. 3,000 plus views. I don't understand it. I, I don't understand, you know, the difference between A and B. I don't get it. Which one is the penis picture? Is that the, <laughs> the 3,000 views or the 50? The It is not a penis picture. It's a dog picture. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, I, I, I can post, I can post one thing of, uh, of, of, of comic books and it will get, you know, 3,500 views. And I can post almost a very similar, almost exact kind of thing, 50 views. I don't get the algorithm. I, I don't know that anyone does. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I'm getting, I get so many posts or things in my Instagram feed uh-huh. that I'm like, I don't follow that person. Why is it yeah. here? I frequently find, I'm like, why is this in my feed, right? You know, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Well, and then all of a sudden, so I follow, you know, a lot of fitnessy people on uh-huh. instagram because like right. okay you know crossfitters things like that and crossfit or an instagram took that to mean that i like half naked women which i do <laughs> but i don't necessarily just want to randomly come across them in my instagram feed while i'm right. sitting at the dentist office <laughs> or, you know <laughs> in a public place so it's like oh 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 uh, sorry uh, yeah. i don't get it i mean <laughs> My Instagram feed, uh, the suggestion algorithms is about 80% cat and dog videos, but then the other 10 to 20% are kind of these bizarre random things where I have no idea why they would show up in my feed. I don't look at my Instagram feed. I'm only on Instagram because that's where we talk. That's our group chat on Instagram. Yeah, that's literally the only reason I have it. Well, Aaron, do you follow Terry Farrell on Instagram? I do follow Terry Farrell on Instagram. She is delightful, Paul. You should unfollow her right now. What are you oh saying? My. Oh my. <laughs> That's a hot take, Paul. That's a hot take. She's internet treasure, Terry Farrell. What did Jaziza Dax do to you? Well, so last weekend, um, I went to GalaxyCon, which is, you know, just one of those convention circuits. You know, they, they have like a series of conventions. I think there's like four or five of them throughout the country kind of thing. Um, and they had, I mean, my brother, so, you know, I went with my brother. My brother conventions very differently than I do. Because I'm, I've gotten to the age where I don't care about celebrity autographs and signatures and things like that. Because I'm like, it's just going to catch dust on a shelf. So I don't need it. I just kind of want to look around. Um, but he was very much there. He wanted to see, he wanted to meet like some Power Ranger people. He wanted to meet Katie Sackoff. He wanted to Ooh. meet some Smallville people. You have uh, no idea which Power Ranger people, do you? Uh, uh, the, the, Red, the original Red Ranger. Oh, Austin St. John. Yeah, Austin St. John. Yeah. Um, so, and and Brendan Fraser was going to be there. 
um, but only the day after we were there. So, I mean, but he really wanted to like meet people willing to stand in those lines, you know, take a selfie, you know, get an autograph, that kind of thing. So, you know, he's in line for, I think, Judith Haig, who is the uh, the actress who played April O'Neil in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yeah. And I'm just like moseying around and I'm like, oh, Terry Farrell has no line. And, you know, I, I text these guys, these guys on the podcast in the aforementioned group text. <laughs> your support, your support group, your yeah. your brain trust, if you will. Yeah. Like Terry Farrell literally has no line. Like I have, I've walked by her table like four times just in passing, not a single person. And so Andrew's like, Oh, go, go send her, you know, here, here's a picture of me. Like Andrew's sending his blue steel <laughs> pictures. Like, it was pretty tell good. Her friend, tell her, tell her about your friend, Andrew. And Aaron's like, go, go. And like, everyone's like, go, 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 go meet Terry Farrell, you know, get her to say hi. And I'm like, you know what? Like it, it, it's worth what, you know, the, the 40 bucks or whatever to get Terry Farrell to do a little video message, say hi, you know, to, to these jerks. <laughs> so I walk right up to her handler. Cause no, no line, as you said, there's, there's literally no one there. So I walk right up to her handler first. I'm like, Hey, you know, I, you know, I, cause I was looking at the little price list. I'm like, what she'd be willing to do? Um, a, uh, like a little video just saying hi to my friends for a second. I thought he was going to say butt stuff <laughs> for butts. Yeah. <laughs> what she, what she wants to do butt stuff. I didn't see that on the list. Um, so he, you know, he's like, oh, 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 let me ask. And he literally, I mean, she's sitting right next to him. It's over. (laughs) And he's like, blah, 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 video. And she's like, oh, 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 um, um, well, gosh, uh, well, I used to do cameo and I don't think I'd do it for less than cameo. And I did it on cameo for like $75. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And she's like, but I haven't done cameo in a long time. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) And she's like, uh, you know, I just don't know. I don't know what, the, you know, what the right price would be. I'm like, I feel like you just said it, but whatever. I'm like, so she's like back and forth and she's like, ah, uh, and then she just looks away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy looks and her handler looks at me and he's like, that's going to be a no. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, I actually thought we were making progress here. Um, he's like, that's going to be a no. I'm like, oh, uh, uh, okay. Like, I was genuinely surprised. And he says, it didn't hurt. It, he's like, it doesn't hurt anything to ask, though. I'm like, it, it kind of feels like it did. Yeah. <laughs> and then I walked off. As you and tear was, off and turn away <laughs> so they can't see your pain. <laughs> right. I, I did that in the corner, like uh, like Will from Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I must have walked by that table, you know, a number of times. Just like I said, my brother was meeting people and just up and down in the convention, that kind of thing. Um, I never saw anyone at her table the entire day. And I'm not trying to, like, pick on her. Like, it, yeah, it, yeah. it could just be that the nature of that convention was not one that, that suited Terry Farrell specifically. Well, Andrew but, Robinson was there, right? That's who played yes. Garrick. Yeah, Garrick. What was his table like? I'm not gonna lie, Garrick always had a line at his table. Yeah, he had. A, well, I shouldn't. Uh, let me let me preface this. He didn't have a Katie Sackhoff line. Mm-hmm. He had a Garrick line. He probably had five to ten people at his table at all. Yeah, he had uh, a steady. He had a steady flow. Yeah, he had a steady flow of people. What? But I will tell you, not once. And again, it could just be the time I walked by. But I was I was genuinely surprised because I'm like. Why do people want to meet Garrick more than Dax? Right. Like that. Wow. That was surprising to me. Maybe because I, Garrick will do a quick video for your friends. Exactly. <laughs> That's well, right. Shitty thing. Like my brother. You know, he he his buddy and him are they're into wrestling, right? And so the the wrestler Edge. No. Um. Matt Hardy. Matt Hardy was there. And my brother walks up to him and he's like, Hey, you know, would you be willing to do a video? And Matt Hardy's like, Yeah, twenty bucks. Let's do it. Let's do it. 
And he like records like a minute long video. Wow. Like, you know, like one of those wrestling introduction type yeah, things, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had some good luck with like voice actors. I've got them to record videos for my wife at uh, anime conventions for like no extra money. Yeah, it, it was inter- I, it was certainly an interesting co- group of people because like the Kevin Smith crew, like they had the entire cast of Clerks, mm-hmm. and I, other than you know Rosario Dawson, but I, but but like Clerks Three is coming out, right? So they had everyone. They had Jay. They had you know Dante. They had um randall that kevin smith was the was there like but other than kevin smith no one gave a shit i'm like yeah wow like that's kind of surprising but i think yeah. it becomes to a point of saturation where these actors are maybe at every single convention right so yeah is there ever a convention that kevin smith isn't at <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you see that he bought a movie theater in yeah, new jersey yeah, yeah. His, chi- his childhood uh movie theater and he not only is it good going to be like you know an everyday movie theater but also it's going to you know show uh uh you know festival type you know films and whatnot you know uh archival films and then function during the day as a film school i i'm 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 fascinated that about what he's doing i mean you know i i i i it blows my mind uh how uh how he's you know turning that space into something beyond just a movie theater, you know, but but also still keeping it as a movie. Which I mean, good for him, right? I yeah. mean, I, I'm, I'm, I, this is this is one thing that I can say positively about Kevin Smith. <laughs> I, I, I I am I'm I'm on board with it. You know, I think you know, film school clerks, you know, came out of that. You know, came out of him. You know, going to film school. Like, it, it, it I'm, I'm glad he's giving back to the community. Yeah. Well, and I mean, he he continues to do that in New Jersey. You know, he yeah. he continues to invest in his community there. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, about Kevin Smith that I can be pretty critical about, but you know, I, I he does have some good ideas, and uh, I hope that works out. I I I I find that just really interesting. I read that yesterday. I was like, that is really kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, I also read some other news, uh, Paul, that you shared about Kevin Smith this week, and it all falls out of uh, uh, some some information that we heard about HBO Max and Batgirl yeah. and all the things. Yeah, big HBO Max. and Well, you know, so Warner Brothers was acquired, excuse me, AT&T sold Warner Brothers to Discovery. Right. Um, you know, recently, and we're starting to see a lot of that starting to come to fruition, right? You know, and just like with any merger or acquisition, it, they take a minute to get to understand what's what's good, what's bad, and then start cleaning house. And so we're starting to see that. And I think, and, and a lot of what we're seeing right now is due to the nature of this acquisition, Discovery has up until a certain point to claim a tax write-off on properties that don't come, that, 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 they, that they cancel. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they can claim the loss as a tax write off. And so we're seeing a lot of that happening now. Um, the biggest announcement this week was that Warner, they canceled the Batgirl film, which they had invested, um, was 90, budgeted at 90, 70, 90, 90 million dollars. Budgeted and, for 70, had gone up to 90 and still and, required reshoots. And just about done. Yeah. Just about done. And instead of releasing it to theaters or to its streaming service, they've decided to you know, put it in the vault. No one will ever see it because it's worth more as a tax write-off than it is as, as an actual film in their library. So okay. this is one of the things that's wrong with the corporate America. That just I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. 
Like this thing that people spent all these hours, we spent ninety million. It's better that we bury it, never show you where, so we can uh, on our ledger write it off, uh, uh-huh. or, so we have a, a smaller tax bill. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just well, cool. and I do. I, I have to say that I find it objectionable that corporate America can do that. That that is a viable, you know, tax expense, right? That you know, that's a that's a deduction. I think your deduction should be we released it and it didn't make any money. Yeah, right. I wonder how bad it is that they chose not to release it. I don't know. I mean, I it doesn't know. doesn't cost much to put it out on on your streaming service, right? right. Um, I it, I feel like it should be out on a streaming because it wasn't Batgirl one. They were going to do both theater and streaming release. I think that was the original intent. Yeah. 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 But I mean, at this I point, that, but here's the thing: if it just, I, I, yeah. But to your point, at least from a financial, my I'm not justifying because I think it's bullshit. Yeah. But you know, from a financially viable position i think they determined that i think we're seeing a couple of things here right and this is just paul conjecture um you know it was also leaked um you know that warner brothers has a studio store or studio tour um in california you know fans can get on a bus they take a little backstage tour and one of the, one of the buses happened to come across the fact that ben affleck and jason momoa were filming together um and like the secret got revealed that Ben Affleck was was doing some some filming for Aquaman 2 and you know ultimately what's happening there is Michael Keaton was supposed to be playing Batman in that movie now Ben Affleck you know they're, they're refilming it with Ben Affleck instead and I think what we're seeing is anything that was taking place after the upcoming Flash movie is now either being canceled or reshot yeah. yeah or rethought so I, I think what we're seeing here is in addition to the tax breaks that they're trying to get, I really think we're trying we're seeing that discovery. They're not officially announcing it yet, but I, I think we're starting to see that they're coming up with a plan that may undo or figure out a way to get out of the flash debacle by just canceling everything that would have come after it. Well, you know, one of the things that we see in Hollywood all the time is anytime you have new executives, they generally kick the stuff out that was the big idea of the former executives, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, what we're seeing here with the the discovery team, you know, they're 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 doing a retake on uh, the DC universe and trying to figure out how they make it more like a Marvel universe, which, hey, exactly what they should be doing. The thing yeah. that I hate is that I was pretty excited about the Michael Keaton stuff that was coming. Me and too. it sounds like we're going to get a lot less of that than than we were otherwise going to get if we and get any that, of it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they may have pulled him out of uh, the Flash movie altogether. Now, they did say that the Flash movie is terrific and that it will be released. Yeah. So that's not one of the ones that's getting kicked to the curb. But to your point, Paul, I think they're retooling it. I think it's going to be a much different film than, uh, you know, in the ending than uh, we were otherwise going to get. Yeah. If they basically if they uh, do the movie without Michael Keaton, I'm not going to see it in theaters because He's the only reason I was interested in it. Well, I think they may. They just may not have him be. He might not carry the on. one at the end. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm also happy that Ben Affleck is reprising his role because I think Ben Affleck's a terrific Batman. Yeah. Um, but I also wanted I mean, I, I, I want a, a a multiverse Batman movie where we have multiple Batman. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that would be be all kinds of fun just because I, I want to enjoy these characters again. But. You know, I, 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 while I don't like some of these decisions, 
I completely understand why Discovery is doing that. Uh, Kevin Smith got rolled up in this because oh, yeah. he was going there was going to be a DC anthology series on HBO Max and he was going to be directing a Bizarro episode and Bizarro was going to be played. They were trying to contract him anyway to do this. Nicolas Cage. And that has been wiped off the board because Discovery has decided that they're that they are either going to uh, uh, significantly reduce or do away with altogether original scripted programming for the HBO Max service. Now, I think I think the way I would interpret that is there won't be HBO Max only shows. The original programming would come from the HBO shows. Right. So, you yeah. know, your your uh, the new Game of Thrones uh, uh, series, uh, dragon, whatever thing, uh, you know, Game <laughs> of Dragons <laughs> is, uh, will come to HBO Max, but it won't be just for HBO Max. So I would I would expect that the success of Peacemaker retains it over on the HBO side, which you'll get to see on HBO Max. As well. I they just won't be making things just for HBO Max. Was Peacemaker released on the actual HBO channel? No, not originally. But I, 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 I cannot imagine that something that was that successful is not going to. I, I mean, I, I, see, I see Titans going away. <laughs> How about Doom Patrol? No problem Doom Patrol? I, you know, Doom Patrol, I, I think, was more successful than Titans. Yeah, Doom Patrol was super successful for them. Yeah. So, you know, I, I why would you throw away things that are working? Uh, I, I would say never underestimate corporate America's uh, capacity to make uh, bad decisions. See Firefly. Uh, see New Coke. <laughs> the uh, I mean, I of course I want Peacemaker to keep going and, and have new seasons. It's it's fantastic. I'm just not uh, quite as optimistic as you are. But you know, we we're seeing a lot of this in the streaming space. Um, you know, all the the streamers are re examining the you know how much they're spending on original programming um you know there's so many streamers out there right now that you know there's sort of a glut on the market and you know we have noticed i mean that who could have predicted no- that happening who could have predicted that <laughs> well you know there, there's so much good stuff out there to watch right now right i mean like prey came out this week and i'm the only one who's watched it yet by the way it's terrific i liked it a lot and I'm dying um, yeah uh there's just so much, so much good content out there. Uh, well, I, I, I have to say, I have a little concern about the Discovery merger yeah. because Discovery is run by folks who do reality style television. And, you know, I, I'm a fan of, of scripted television. Um, and while I, I think there are certainly some crap on HBO Max that I would be happy for it to go away, there are things there that I love. Uh, and particularly because, you know, they picked up shows <clears throat> that were run, running elsewhere, um, like Pennyworth. I love Pennyworth and then just can't wait for the for the new season to start whenever that's going to happen, supposedly in December. Hey, um, at least it's filmed. Good. Good for that. Right. Because uh, well, if it wasn't, that would not And they haven't announced that they're not going to air it for a write off. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's still time. Well, then in the next year, we will no longer have an HBO Max app. It'll be wrapped into Discovery Plus. I hate to hear that. Yeah. Summer 2023 is uh, what it, the article it, projects. It is mind-boggling to me that Discovery is a better brand than HBO. Right? I mean, that's just – I mean, that's like saying RC Cola bought Coke, and now everything is RC Cola. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't get that. Uh 
Well, uh, we'll just have to wait, I guess, to see how exactly which original scripted programs are affected. Let's keep our fingers crossed that Peacemaker comes out the other side intact. Uh, Well, you know, this week or last week, last week, week, you know, thankfully, um, we got to see uh, on HBO Max and just on HBO Max, they released that Milestones Generation documentary that they with like little fanfare. I I just kind of happened to come across it. Yeah, Paul, if you hadn't told me it was out there, I would not have. Yeah. So for those who don't know, there is a about an hour long, give or take, documentary yeah. on HBO Max um, all about the creation and, quite frankly, the undoing of the milestone and then the recreation of it um, called Milestone Generations, which I, I had some issues with the way the like the last 10, 15 minutes of it. It gets a little um, corporate mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end where it's like it feels like they're trying to sell a product. Um, but up until then, I thought it was a great documentary. I, 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 you know, me, I love milestone. Uh, I love, I love the original nineties run of, of, of those books and have a very soft spot in my heart for, uh, Dwayne McDuffie. And I got to tell you, when they were doing the Dwayne McDuffie stuff towards the middle and end of, of, of the thing, I mean, I was, I was misting up, uh, I've said this before, but you know, we were due to interview him, uh, after the premiere of his Superman animated film and, you know, he died, uh, the week after. And so, I mean, we, we did our, he, he died as that thing premiered and we didn't get to get to do that interview. And so I've, I've just always felt, you know, uh, you know, really linked to him, uh, just because we had talked, you know, and, you know, I, the, the, the work that he had done, uh, through animated, uh, television and, uh, the comics, I, I just feel very connected to, to Dwayne McDuffie. And it was nice to see archival footage of him mm-hmm. talking about his work. Uh, you know, I, I really, I thought, I thought the uh, documentary was very well produced and yeah, I, I agree. It gets a little commercial towards the end of it, but I, 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 I hope that this continues to spark, you know, and that we we continue to see good things out of uh, of Milestone. I've not been real wild about the Icon reboot, Icon and Rocket reboot, or the Static Shock reboot there, but the Blood Syndicate series is fantastic. Um, you know, the, the new Blood Syndicate is really well imagined. I'm digging it a lot. Um, and I've been going back and, and reading uh, the old stuff through the uh, DC app, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, I, I you know after watching the documentary, I was like, I I, I need to pick up Blood Syndicate, so I, I'm yeah. going to pick that up. It's really good. Uh, very, you know, I, my part of my problem with Icon and Rocket and with Static Shock is I just didn't think that the origins were, you know, distinctly current, right? You know, the I, the those characters are such a a piece of of the 90s. And you, you've really got to reimagine because, you know, it's it's you know, we're 30 years removed from that. Yeah. Um, you know, you've really got to kind of reimagine if you're if you're going to reboot it. And I think they just did a really good job of that with Blood Syndicate, whereas I, I just don't think it was that effective in in, in the other two books. But uh Anyway, it, I, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And I, I do recommend, uh, you know, jumping into the original Milestone universe uh, through the, the, the DC app because, boy, those books are terrific. They yeah. really hold up. Agreed. Well, you know, this week, or, you know, recently it was announced by DC Comics that Dark Crisis, 
they're like, hey, just kidding, everybody. The full name of Dark Crisis is actually Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. You know, trying to to, to you know, say this is a sequel to the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. You know, big, big, exciting. We're going to change the logo, blah, 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 blah. That didn't happen with this issue. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I picked it up. I'm like, oh, it literally it just says Dark Crisis. Like, did they like when will the title change? <laughs> Maybe with the next issue. Um, I also don't know that I'm feeling the infinite earths aspect of this storyline yet and maybe that'll come in with the next issue maybe that's why that title hasn't changed because it's all very much just set on earth earth prime earth zero i think pariah being there is their big tie-in so far yeah but there is talk about other earths yeah well and i should say this issue actually does reintroduce the justice society um which to my knowledge, has not the classic Justice Society, yeah, as opposed to what we were seeing in the Earth Two books, yeah. But you know, uh, I find that uh, there's a lot on the page that I like in this in this book. Mm-hmm. But what I really wish is that there was a better tie-in because to your Infinite Earths point, uh, I think you can you can you can make that you can establish that link through Flashpoint Beyond. But the, these books really aren't tethered together, and I think they should be. And they're coming out on the same damn week. Which is right? weird I mean, to this me. Is, like, yeah. split them up every two weeks or something, but you release both books on the same week? Very yeah. odd to me. But, but you know, we know they're linked because we've, we've seen the reference within the Flashpoint Beyond books. I just – I wish there was a, a more distinct tether between the, the two books. But I got to tell you, uh, in this book where uh, Wonder Girl appears – What's her name again? Uh, Yara. The new one. Yeah, Yara, Yara thank you. I, I really like her. Um, I don't like her book, but I really like the character. Uh, and I just, I, I think this book really sung when she's on the page. Yeah, yeah. her appearance was really well-timed because mm-hmm. I was pretty much done with that scene. Yeah. No, I, I just, I really dug it. And uh, I, I I liked the reintroduction of the classic JSA. I mean, that that's right out of the pages of, of, of the stories that James Robinson and Jeff Johns did, right? Yeah, I, mean, I just, sent you guys a message that said uh, there was one page in this book that made me happy. That was the page. Yeah. The, you know, there's no Justice League. How about a just how about a society? Yeah. And, you know, you have that page of all of them coming down. And it's like that. That is an exciting page for me. I love the Justice Society. And reading through the book, you get to this point of there's just no hope. You're right. not feeling any hope and anything going on in the story, which is part of the story is that there is no hope. And then you turn the page and there's the Justice Society. And it's like, I, I was very happy on that page. You know, for me, this story, you know, and, and right before we podcasted, we said we were just going to continue hate buying Flashpoint Beyond. <laughs> right. I don't know that I'm hate buying this book because they're. First of all, the art in this book is beautiful. Dan- Danielle Semper. Oh, I mean, yeah, the, the, art is, the art is absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, and the story isn't bad, but I think for me, it just feels like corporate story by numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're, this doesn't feel like a passion project. I'm not getting any emotional resonance from it. Um, you know, nothing feels impactful. Uh, you know, in a way like like the death of the Justice League. First of all, we knew it was fake. We knew it was BS. But in this issue, you know, you clearly see what what's happened, you know, with Hal Jordan, because he gets disintegrated just like they did and ends up in a in a fantasy world. 
I, I do like the ending shot that we're, you know, we get the Legion of Doom back, you know, with Black Adam. Yeah, but it felt like they were finally starting to, like, this whole whole crossover has been treading water. And the Green Lantern part felt like they were finally going to move the story forward. But yeah, then I don't think it actually did. Yeah, but I don't know. So we'll see with Dark Crisis number four, because, again, we're going to continue buying it. But it does feel like, okay, now we're starting to... To your point with treading water, which is my big issue with Flashpoint Beyond, is that we're five issues in and still still haven't really progressed much. Um, but with Dark Crisis, I think with the next issue, we, we will start to see something. And, and maybe we'll get that promised title change. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I will say the, the one good note about Flashpoint Beyond number four was that cover was fantastic. Oh, yeah. You know, with the clockwork Batman, uh, uh, it was a, a great looking cover. Well, and, you know, one of the things that... It, it it surprises me, and I'm sure it's coming, but I'm shocked that DC hasn't committed, or maybe they haven't, he just hasn't wanted to, Tom Taylor to write a crossover. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that dude clearly knows uh, how to do it. How to do yeah. it. You know, yeah. but but I mean, and he does it, but just in these, you know, non, non-canon non universes, you know, and I'm, I'm referring to the, the last page of, of this book. Um mm-hmm shows a preview of deceased war of the uh undead gods but you know tom taylor can do a crossover you know probably probably better than anyone in the business right now and i'm yeah, just surprised they haven't taken advantage of him that way well you know a, a book that i was really surprised not that i enjoyed it but ha- to the degree that i enjoyed it was the new champion of shazam featuring mary marvel uh this book came out this week, illustrated by Doc Shaner. Uh, I, I, my God, I loved this book upside and down. This book was oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, I, and, I, you know, Doc Shaner. First of all, I was sold with Doc Shaner. Right. right. We, 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 you know, for anyone who hasn't listened to the podcast for a while, Doc Shaner is probably one of our favorite comic artists from his days. You know, illustrating um, Flash Gordon and you know some of that stuff. He's just a great artist, but he doesn't have a great degree of output. Um, I think his last book he did was strange adventures yep. with Tom. Payne. And it only did half of that book, right? Yeah. So, you know, when, when I saw he was doing a Shazam book, I mean, a Barry Marvel book, I should say. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You I, know, like is is this kind of like the, the Thor aspect is, you know, is, is, is Mary Marvel no longer Mary Marvel? I is think she's she Shazam. Shazam. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's Shazam. You know, and so I, that's where this book picks up is that, you know, it's after, uh, you know, Billy Batson has been sequestered to the Rock of Eternity. And, yeah. you know, and the, I know nothing sh- about that storyline, but yeah, I don't need to for this book. So, you know, uh, because he's there, nobody has the Shazam powers anymore. So there's no more Marvel family. Right. Um, and, you know, this is one of the things I was a little concerned about going into this book, because I'm, I'm not real wild about the new origin uh, of Billy Batson and the Shazam family that, you know, they're, uh, you know, it's just it's a total recasting. But I, I really dug how it was presented here. There was a different tone, I felt. And, and it's maybe it's just because we spend so much more time with Mary Marvel, who is a character that I, I love and have loved for years and years and years. Um, but we get to see Mary Marvel going off to college, you know, we get to see Mary Marvel, you know, living her life. And then of course, you know, Billy figures out how to communicate with her through a bunny. Uh, I, the bunny rabbit conversations were killing me. (laughs) 
I, I, just, I, I love them. I loved I love that whole thing of she doesn't know who she is, uh-huh. that all of her life she's been defined by other people, including by Billy and the power. And that now for the first time she's on her own, she can discover who she is and who she is is apparently somebody that talks to bunnies. Yep. Yeah. I I thought this book was terrific. I, I was so excited uh, that I was so surprised at the quality because, uh, you know, the writing was spot on. The illustration was spot on. Every page with the bunny rabbit uh, just sings. I, I just I, I thought this was a great a, just a great, terrific book. Yeah, I love the power of the, the first mm-hmm. time she uses the lightning, it tosses her out of the building and she doesn't realize that instead of having power that's split among five people, she has all of the power now. Yeah, she's got the whole schmear, the whole Shazam, <laughs> the whole Shazam. It's a good book. I, yeah, I really did enjoy book. it. Yeah, very yeah. much looking forward to, to, to the continuing thread of that storyline. Now, on the flip side. You know, Aaron, you and I have spoken about Batman 125, the start of the new creative team, Chip Zdarsky, Jorge Jimenez. Um, you know, in, in in that time, they had also released a new issue of Detective Comics with that new creative team. Ram V and um, Raphael Albuquerque, I think, are the creative team on that book. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. And I will tell you, both books did the exact same thing. And because of it, I feel like I may be out on both books. Really? Detective Comics brought in Barbados. Batman 126 brought in the Batman of Zer NR. And I'm like, fuck all this Grant Morrison stuff. Yeah, I am 100% out on Batman. I loved that last issue. I thought it was going great places. And I hated this issue with a passion. I didn't hate I, this issue. I was all in. I love the battle. I love how Bruce gets his ass kicked. I love that the, the other heroes come in. And I really like that. And then Zer NR popped in. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I did not like Batman versus Robot through this whole thing. Uh, everything I liked about the last issue, all of the character stuff, we didn't really see any of it because it's just a ongoing fight. And then it ends with that. You know, the moment I saw him, it's like, OK, no, I'm done. I am 100 percent done. I am not buying the next issue. See, no, I was on board until then. Like, I, I, I did like the battle, and I understand why you didn't. It was definitely, you know, a big battle issue, but I thought it was just well choreographed, well drawn. Um, I enjoyed that part of it, but yeah. It's Zer- for me, it's Batman versus robot. I want Batman versus people who he can get inside their heads, or maybe they can get inside his head. Not generic robot. That's more of a Superman type villain. Yeah. Well, Aaron, let's let's hear well, your thoughts. I really liked this issue. With the exception of the very last page of the lead Batman story. Yeah. Um, I, I, I had some concerns about it. I don't know that I, I felt like I was out. I, I felt like I was on the fence. Uh, if you buy it, I can probably be talked into one more. I think I can do one more issue, uh, you know, because I, I, I got to tell you, I've enjoyed it so, so, so much so far. And I've been looking for a Batman book that I can enjoy. Um I, I think I'm inclined to pick up the next issue, but I got to tell you that I, I, I am continue my frustration with the Catwoman backup story. Uh, I really wish that they would just didn't have the backup story. Yeah, agreed. Because I'm just like, ugh, you know, I, the it, it doesn't it, these stories don't make any sense to me. I, I don't have any desire to read them. They are so far removed from the main Batman action, and I don't pick up the the core Batman book to read an anthology book, right? I, yeah. I, I, I want to read 
my core Batman story and then I want to move on. Um, I just, you know, give me a Batman family if you want to give me an anthology book, but I don't want to see that in my in my regular Batman book. Yeah, I need I DC that... to uh, to go back because I, you know, they introduced this stuff I think during was it DC Rebirth maybe mm-hmm. that they started introducing these backup stories that you know to, that stuff started creeping in at five dollars or maybe it was post Doomsday Clock. I don't remember what the initiative was then. Infinite Frontier. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't need any of them. Honestly, the one in Action yeah. Comics is is good, um, but I, but I still don't need it. Yeah, no, I agree, I agree. So if you but pick you up one twenty seven, I might. Okay, but a, a book that uh, I deeply enjoyed from last week was Superman Space Age, uh, with uh, artwork by uh, uh, Michael Allred and uh, coloring by Laura Allred. Written by Mark Russell. This is a book that takes place uh, that's set in 1985 during the, uh, I guess, Crisis on Infinite Earths, the original one. And this is an Earth, not the uh, the Earth One or Earth Two that we you know knew back in the day. But this is an Earth where Superman and Lois were married back then, and also had a son named John. But it is him knowing the world is about to end and the time that he's spending there. And I just thought this book was fantastic. I, Paul, I will say I enjoyed this book so much more than I expected to. Well, I know um, you're not a Mike Allred fan. So I'm not I, a Mike was, Allred fan, but I think his art worked very well in this book. Mm-hmm. I would say the closest thing this book is akin to is the, um, uh, what's the, the new frontier. Mm-hmm. This yeah, had a very strong New Frontier vibe, um, you know, taking place kind of in a similar time frame as that book as well. And so I, I, I genuinely enjoyed, you know, this retelling, um, you know, of of the threads kind of in the in that era of history, mm-hmm. you know, and how it tied together. Because this book starts, I think, roughly in like 1963. Nin- yeah, that's when that's when uh, you know Clark comes to Earth, right? Yeah. No, that's when he's like realizes his alien ancestry. Maybe I don't know, but yeah, re- I mean, regardless, it takes place kind of in that you know that era, and you know, it's it's beautifully drawn. Um, un, you know, kind of unlike what I was saying with Dark Crisis, which felt by like a, a crossover by committee. This feels like a passion project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone had this idea of you know what if. Superman, you know, still took place in the original era or in the 1960s and, you know, was informed by, you know, history was altered by by his presence, you know, and and we get for for me, the only issue I had with the book was the end of it with the very quick introduction of the Justice League. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they'll flesh that out more in issue two. This book was 89 digital pages. You know, of course, some of them are art, but we're still talking an 80 page book, probably. Right. And um, my my main and, and I wish DC would go back to putting an Elseworlds tag right. on the cover because yeah. I really obviously this book is you, know, we, you within the first few pages you know it, it's not set in your, your universe when it's 1985 I think is where mm-hmm. the first page takes place so you know it's not set in the universe you're familiar with but just throw an Elseworlds tag I don't know why they're yeah. so af- afraid of using that yeah it was yeah, definitely an interesting take on a Superman that. He doesn't become Superman right away. Yeah. He waits a while and only becomes Superman when he kind of feels like he really needs to. Like the world, 
he gets he sees the costume finds it leaves and go creates a life and then comes back and gets it later i thought that was interesting i enjoyed the uh you know the lex luther over the top scheme that just seems like a golden age scheme yeah i really yeah. enjoyed the book too yeah it, i i and lex luther was extremely well written in this book yeah, he was. His 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 plans, you know, made mm-hmm. sense from a certain Lex Luthor sort of sort of view. And, and you're right, Paul, the the book, the Clark doesn't arrive on Earth in 1963. 1963 is kind of hit the end of high school for him and him trying to figure out what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. I, I like the take on the Kents. Uh, I very much appreciated, you know, uh, his dad in the book. And I also liked how Jor-El uh, was portrayed. Uh, I, I think there's so much to like about this book and the historical context, not just of, of uh, you know, our own history uh, seen through the lens of this comic, but also, you know, the history of the comic uh, as seen through the lens of this comic, you know, what, you know, putting it in that, in that crisis on the infinite earth space. And again, you know, in the proximity to, uh, Dark Crisis and Flashpoint Beyond, we get to see a different take on Pariah, which I think is yeah. timely, right? Uh, you know, this is this this reads like one of those black label books that DC does, uh, even though I don't think it's got that on the on the cover. But it, it is so thoughtful in the way all of this is presented. Uh, I I it's I think it's gonna. It, it's going to stack up as, as one of my favorite Superman stories, at least based on this first issue, because I just enjoy so much of what's on the page here. Yeah. And I liked Batman too. Yeah. yeah. It was and a, a different, different origin Batman. for Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Well, and you know, I am always thrilled when we get to see, you know, the inside of the fortress of solitude. And while yes, it's still the, the ice crystal fortress of solitude. And that always annoys me. Uh, you know, you did get to see more, uh, standard technology kinds of stuff. So it was more like a merger of the classic fortress, the Golden Age fortress, and the Silver Age fortress, uh, than just the you know post Richard Donner uh, ice crystal fortress. It's sort of a merger of those two things, and I, I, I like that look as well. I like the yeah. the real human living quarters, you know, because you know the the crisis on the infinite Earths is happening, and you know uh, Superman ha- has taken Lois and Jonathan to live in the living quarters there at the fortress of solitude. Cause it's the safest place on earth. And even that isn't going to be safe from, you know, the antimatter wave, but I, I, I think it's a terrific book. And I'm sorry. I really feel like, uh, Jonathan Kent, you know, uh, Clark's father, uh, was modeled on Paul Newman. I, I, I got real strong. Yeah, you're probably vibes. right. So I can see just that. saying, yeah. Great book. I loved it. Well, yeah, it, it is. It is a great book. And let's talk about another like nine, ten dollar book that came out last week. <laughs> um, last week was an expensive week. It ain't uh, cheap amazing... being in comics. It ain't cheap. No, it's not. <laughs> um, amazing Spider-Man is legacy issue 900 um, a- actual current issue of the current run issue six is an anniversary issue celebrating 60 years of Spider-Man and 900 issues of Amazing um, written by Zeb Wells, who's the current writer on the book. Illustrated by Ed McGinnis. And Wayne, did you read this? I did. It did felt it, like it was trying <laughs> it felt like it was trying really hard to be a character defining book. Like a this is Spider-Man kind of thing. It also had zero to do with the current run. Yeah, you know, for me, so you know, in the current run, 
first of all, the current run has been advertised as what did Peter Parker do? You know, why does everyone hate Peter Parker? Well, we're five issues in first and, and, and Peter kind of like whatever, you know, we, we still don't know what Peter's done. Um, and honestly, it feels like people are starting to forgive him anyway. And he's starting to come around as of the end of issue five. But in issue six, it kind of feels like this takes place out of continuity because yeah. all of his friends are throwing him a birthday party and everyone's happy to see him and no one acknowledges being mad at him. Um, and Black Cat is his girlfriend, maybe? Sort of. Sort of. I think That's that it. was just a like maybe she's going to become his girlfriend again kind of thing. I think it was more like a pity kiss. Well, I mean, she was, you know, at the end of issue five, she did show up and have that talk with Peter on the rooftop. Yeah, uh, and that was a great talk. That was a good talk. And then yeah. I think we all agree the first five issues have been great. Uh, but issue six, yeah, it seems very like for people who don't know who Spider-Man is, like this is supposed to tell you about the different aspects of Spider-Man, like like what makes Spider-Man, what his core concept is, if you will. Yeah, it uh, seems but, like a huge step back for Dr. Octopus as well in this book. Yeah. And there's like like all this confusion on the villains of things like, you know, Sandman is like, I don't even know if I'm his enemy right now. Yeah. The, the villains seem to be written very. The Sinister Seven was kind of written as caricatures. It seemed like they didn't really have much depth to them. They seemed kind of silly in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, and they were kind of more like ca- cardboard cutouts of villains than real villains. Everything I will in this say book felt a little cardboard cutout. Yeah. And what I mean by that is. This kind of felt like, and I've referenced this recently, like one of those Marvel Adventures books. Yeah. It felt like an all-ages tale that shows every Spider-Man villain. The Ed McGinnis art also kind of lent, led to that because he's got this all-ages art style. Um, it just kind of felt like, here's a fun all-ages Spider-Man graphic novel for kids. Uh, that, that's kind of how it struck me. And you learn what's important, uh, you know, as a hero, what's most important, you know, is just protect the uh, to pe- protect those even though who try- those who try to hurt you. You know, it's like it has like a morality lesson to it as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It felt weird seeing Bobby back in the book, like yeah. out of nowhere, she's at the party. I will say I enjoyed Anne Marie a lot in this book for what they, little she was in there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Good things line. like uh, Dr. Octopus's arms break through the window and her first reaction is, uh, do I look okay? <laughs> like well, later I, on, she's Anne Marie was thirsty being, in this book. She was ready for some Doc Ock action. Yeah, she talked about him being her backup plan. Yeah, that man's still my backup plan. <laughs> uh, I mean, there are some good lines, and I enjoy the I enjoy the the writer kind of taking a nod from the MCU Doctor Strange and applying that to you know Doc Ock's tentacles. Right? Uh, it was very much like Doctor Strange's cloaks in the recent movies have been, uh, where it's more like a loyal pet than you know just a an item that they that's part of their kit that they use. Yeah. So I read all the backup stories as well. Yeah. Uh, some of them I did like. I got an amusing kick out of the uh, the very first one where the library has opened up a uh, basically a you can bring the books back and be in. A, it's amnesty. You can bring yeah. back your late books without being uh, fined for them. And then that way you can get back in the good graces of the New York Public Library. Yeah, except a lot of that didn't make sense, because why would they keep letting him check out books if he had that many that were overdue? <laughs> but uh, I. Yeah, maybe we could get it. Scott Bonner on the podcast to comment about that. Ooh, <laughs> our library content, friend. 
content <laughs> expert. No, the, right. the, the New York Public Library one was okay, but then that whole Mysterio one was just kind of, I felt, was dumb. The one yeah, with Jimmy hated, Kimmel? Yeah. <laughs> I hated that one. Yeah. I did really like Save the Date, the one-page one where he asked Betty Brant to go to, uh, I think it's prom, and then get stuck fighting uh, Green Goblin and misses it. It's a nice, cute little simple story that calls back to the early days. But yeah, was, yeah the fine. Kimmel one was horrible. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I don't know what this bodes because, you know, it's a, it's a one off uh, issue. It, it was ten dollars. I kind of threw down the trash. Um, but I, I'm very interested to see where Spider-Man number seven goes. I really enjoyed the first five issues, except for some some issue one with the whole everybody hates Peter part was kind of tiresome. But uh, I, I'm interested to see where seven goes. If it focuses more on this whole backstory about why everybody hates Peter. You know, why is Mary Jane with this other guy and, and has kids now? Why does Aunt May so disappointed with him? Or if it's yeah. going to focus more on another interesting storyline featuring more villains. Yeah, I was that's on the how fence. they sold this. I'm sorry, Wayne. Uh, I say I was on the fence after the first issue, but issues you know two through five really got me back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was just a really a side story. Yeah, yeah. Which was you know a ten dollar side story in the middle of <laughs> you know a plot thread a plot thread that you literally sold your book on. Like all the advertising was, what did Peter do? Why does everyone hate Peter? Why is Mary Jane with this other dude with a kid? Like there was just a lot. Considering that's what they sold the book on, the fact that they took such a big sharp turn away from the story for this anniversary issue just kind of surprised me. I didn't hate it, but yeah, like it, it was, I feel like I probably could have skipped this $10 issue and not missed anything. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I didn't hate it, but uh, if I paid, say, $6 for it, I'd be feeling okay. But 10 bucks just is yeah. excessive for the quality we got. Agreed. Well, a book that came out uh, a week or so ago that I think I'm the only one on the on the hold, hold on. There's on nothing on there's nothing on the outline after me. I know. Spider-Man. I know there's not because this is <laughs> this is a special drop in. Ooh. Uh, I just want to I just want to throw a plug out there. Uh, Defenders Beyond number one by Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez is a delightful book. It is crazy fun. You've got Loki as your team lead featuring uh, characters such as Blue Marble, America Chavez, Tigra, and Taya. Uh, it is a fun, reality-spanning romp. Uh, I The artwork by Javier Rodriguez is very much in the, uh, the uh, lane of Steve Ditko, which feels right at home in a Defenders book. I, I just I, I dug this book. I cannot wait for issue number two. But, you know, I'm going to have to wait because, hey, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week from Marvel Comics, considering we were just talking about it, Amazing Spider-Man issue seven comes out. Wow. We also get the latest issue of The Punisher, uh, the Jason Aaron book that, that Aaron and I have been reading. We also, Aaron, if you did not get enough Punisher action in uh, Prey this week, Marvel is releasing the first issue of their new uh, Predator book. Hmm. So I'm Very exciting. I'm, it's written by Ed Brisson. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I might give it a shot mm-hmm. um, from DC Comics. We get the new issues uh, or the new issue of Superman, Son of Kal-El. We get Dark Crisis, World Without a Justice League, Green Lantern. We get the first issue of Deceased, War of the Undead Gods. That looks hot. It does. And uh, it's it's the conclusion of the Deceased saga, supposedly. So we'll see. Um <laughs> Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about Blood Syndicate. Blood Syndicate issue four comes out. Uh, 
and from Image Comics, um, kind of showing that all these creators who jump ship to Substack and all these weird random things, um, just not a great business model. Love Everlasting from, from Tom King, um, which was released independently, I think, through Substack. Uh, a few months back, it's his like romance comic thing. It's coming out from Image Comics in print. Interesting. So, yeah, it, it seems like all those you know those books, like all the Scott Snyder stuff and all that stuff, um, is, is starting to to creep its way through out through Image Comics or Dark Horse or one of those companies. I'd be interested to see if it hits if it's going to do Comicsology as well, in a, in addition to coming out in print. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I hope so. Substack as their as their uh, digital platform or initial release for a digital platform. Well, it should be interesting. Well, anything else coming out next week, Paul? That'll do it. All right. Well, hey, we want to know what you thought of this week's books. Give us a call. 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your call on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable ideology of the SERP. You can also hit us up on social media, I-O-M Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. What a deal. Well, hey, let's do it all over again next week. And uh, maybe there'll be some, uh, maybe we'll get really excited about this other dark crisis. Maybe. 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 Yeah. 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 (laughs) All right. Well, we will see you then. See ya. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.